everybody welcome to hb hose this is your hosts maddie and samantha sammy whichever you prefer sam sam l sam ho sam whatever you know tell me what you want welcome (laughs) to the pod happy to have you back or if you're the first time listener welcome yes we appreciate it um yeah so this is we are going to be talking about uh house of the dragon season one episode three which um just gonna quickly say has is my favorite episode so far um i'm way more excited you know with yeah. this episode and how it how this one kind of played out than i have been i've been kind of skeptical the last two so i'm excited to talk about it. i have so much i want to say I'm going to try not to make this too long. Uh, Maddie is going to be signaling to me like we need to stop, stop talking. I'm sure more than once this episode. So yeah, no, I completely get your standpoint. Um, I do think that a lot of things happened. There was a lot of setting up. I think there's a lot of significance that we probably will see tied in. Yeah. Uh, We already see not to jump ahead, but just a little like we see a little like Lannister action. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just like things like that, it felt like more, it just felt like it was setting it up more and we had more information to go off of and just to kind of understand the connections. Yes. Yeah. One of my um, criticisms about the show so far has been that it's felt very simple um, because I'm directly comparing it to game of thrones even just the first season of game of thrones episode one were introduced to like 20 main characters that all have such a stake in the entire series and in this one it's like okay we're focusing on one family and then two other noble names and blah blah blah, blah. just kind of was like okay this is so simple this episode really brought it back alive for me with the politics I'm fucking here for it. That's why I loved Game of Thrones in the first place. I'm like, give me something to think about. Give me some hypothesis situations. Like if this, then that, you know, I'm fucking here for it. I was very, very excited with all of the politicizing that was happening during uh, what was Aegon, who is Viserys's son's mm-hmm. second name day. So his second birthday. So mm-hmm. it's all centered around this time. Um, but yeah, very happy. I'm happy that we got a battle finally yeah we got some combat so I'm just like yes like bring it bring it back to me make like make the red like the resonation Game of Thrones stronger than just the names in the show like I want to see drama and I want to see smarts and I want to see you know intellect like I'm here for that so very very happy with with uh this episode Yeah, no, I definitely think that they showcased a lot more of that. And there was some really good moments just in cleverness and tenderness and strategy in, you know, battle. Like there was a lot of highlights, I think. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So we, um, Maddie and I like convened before we started this episode and Um, I thought that the best way to go about it was just to kind of talk through points chronologically. Like I literally wrote down scene by scene, like it's the script itself in my notebook, because I think that so many things, like there was not a non-important moment that happened in tonight's episode. Like nothing was fluff. Everything was setting the stage. Um, You know, big decisions were being made or decisions are being pondered on, you know, and they're all super important. So 
we start off with at the Stepstones with the crab eater, similar to last last episode. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't spend too much time there. We just see that the really really creepy dude is you know, nailing people to fucking crosses and letting crabs eat them. So I'm like, but we didn't spend much time there. And then immediately go into what we see is Aegon, the baby's second birthday. And that's kind of where all of the politicizing and strategy talks commence. And I just want to bring up, I think that's a good point. Um, With Aegon's second birthday, the king Viserys, like you can see throughout the entire like celebration and episode like he's just trying to like enjoy and yeah and all of that like all of those politics are just pulling at him and you know he I don't know he tries to get away from it but I don't think he does a good job of it he does his best but like it's it's just duties yeah so I think I would classify him as fearful avoidant um like he just making decisions like that clearly gives us man anxiety and his like flight mode is on a hundred right now. He is trying to just all levels of escapism if he can, you know, and rightfully so right now, uh, you know, it's his son's second birthday. He's just trying to celebrate, but that doesn't relieve him of his duty and of the things going on in the world. So um, I think Viserys is the kind of person that just gets, you know, when he's pulled, he's a people pleaser. Yeah. Number one. So it's like, you know, anybody that on his council, whether it be Otto or any of the, you know, anybody else or, or Rhaenyra or Allison, he's trying to please them. And a lot of time, most 99% of them want different things from the next. So it's, he's basically a yes man to everyone. I think that that's really going to like stab him later. Like he's, I think it's really going to come back. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, we're going through uh, the name day, everyone's celebrating, but Rhaenyra is outside by the tree, just reading and making some village boy sing to her, which I thought was hilarious. (laughs) And then Alicent comes through that bitch. God, I am trying to understand, but really, 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 she's setting me up to not like her at all. But she comes through and flexes her queen power and basically says, homeboy stop singing get the fuck out of here I want to talk to Rhaenyra and that bothered the shit out of me because I'm like you were you're the same age as me Mm -hmm. you fucked my dad and now all of a sudden like I need to call you mommy and listen to everything you say you know like that I was like god Rhaenyra is in such a tough spot because it sucks because that was her best friend and then was stolen from her and now is trying to flex superiority and I'm like you know as I personally have a problem with authority and all things so that that wouldn't have flew with me I would have fucking I know and it sucks because like I also hated that but the polarity in me because immediately what she says after Allison is gentle even though she's cunning I don't know if she means to be I think at this point maybe she's a little bit more aware but I'm like okay like Look at who her dad is, though. She is learning that from somewhere. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, okay, like, it's not completely your fault. Like, you're like this now. 
Yeah. I don't know. She's like, she still tries to come through to Renana, uh, Renana, <laughs> uh, Rhaenyra and, um, you know, just like be like, it doesn't have to be like this. Yeah. I don't know. She's always kind of tender. There's a couple other moments we'll get to, but yeah. So I think that you're right. Like she is a product of her raising by the one cunning big toe auto high tower. Um, and so I, I, I agree with that. I think later on in the episode, we'll get to this, you know, a little bit later, but you know, it's the first time that we actually see her defy him in a way. So that was notable. I'm like, okay, maybe there's a character arc forming here where we're like meant to hate her storyline says we should hate her because she's in the worst position of all you know, but maybe she comes to yeah. at the end of it and surprises us. We don't know. Um, Just imagine if Littlefinger had a daughter who was Arya, but who was submissive. Imagine. It wouldn't even be Arya. <laughs> well, you get, you get where I'm going. Like, influence. Yeah. Well, like a Sansa, like Sansa was incredibly impressionable. Yes. You know, like, so... Like- you know, she wanted to do the right thing. Like the, I don't know, some people have like a more adventurous spirit and they're like, no, like I want to go. And some people are just like, they fall for it. They're like, cool. Like, I guess I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, definitely. Um, so then we go into, but you guys are about to hear my automatic cat theater. So I'm sorry about that. Uh, oh I don't know if you actually hear them, but they're next to me. So they might, but um okay so we're continuing through again sec- oh well actually one fucking major note that i had um oh well i guess this is after the fact anyways but then Rhaenyra is is pretty much forced by allison to go into this kind of dining hall that they're all in in the beginning and one thing that i want to say is i can't wait for this season's score album to come out because mm-hmm. the song that's playing when Rhaenyra walks in it was like it literally, like, I, I don't even think I was paying too much attention the first time I watched the episode, but my head immediately spiked up because the music itself was so gorgeous. So, and I'm mad because the songs won't come out until the season is done. So I'm like, fuck me. I have to wait. But I also did notice that. And I think also throughout the episode, like she has the same song a few times and I'm just like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful and it's somber and it's sad and it's kind of, you know, we know that from Game of Thrones, the show, a lot of the music that they wrote was um, foreshadow music so that, you know, like each character that had a specific song, it kind of told where their story was going to end up eventually. So, you know, they're just throwing that out there. But, uh, you know, she walks in and... But before she does, I believe Otto is talking to some random man we haven't met before. I have no idea who he is. So anybody in the universe that's listening, please DM me and let me know who this man is because I can't find it for the life of me. But basically the man is saying, is trying to convince Otto, like you need to convince Viserys that Rhaenyra should not be the heir. Aegon needs to be the heir. Um, and then he just like walks away, but he was another little snake in the grass too. And I'm like, okay, I'm noting that dude. Um, but then, you know, Rhaenyra comes in and she's, you know, just listening amongst the ladies that are, ta- you know, the noble women that are talking about step zones mm-hmm. and, you know, just kind of not really in the conversation, but kind of in the conversation. And then, then she departs from there, goes outside and is 
immediately confronted or approached, I should say, by none other than Jason fucking Lannister, who is like objectively the biggest piece of shit I think I've seen on the show so far. Just like such a tool bag. I'm like, of course, this is a Lannister from 200 years ago. It's so reminiscent. It's so reminiscent. (laughs) And I'm wondering, like, I are most do all the men in the Lannister family have J names? I'm just curious. Jason. No, because no, no, no. Because we have Tywood and Tyrion and Jamie. Okay. I mean, maybe they stuck with a T and a J. I'm not sure. But he did say, which was another question that I had when he was talking to Rhaenyra, he says, she says, your twin brothers on my count on the small council. So I went and like re-looked at the small council names and there's not a Lannister on there. So I don't know. This is another question for the universe. Like if you have explanation, I'll, I'll go through Reddit later and maybe find the answer. But um, that was just the thing that stuck out. Anyways. Jason, I'm like, of we have not really had outside of like John, Rob, and like Sam that were normal, you know, like I like Edard, not really normal, even like Rob spelled with two B's, you know, they're all normal, like non like today's day and age names. So the fact that it was Jason was just like a little like. <laughs> what the fuck for me (laughs) i'm like the worst it's like the kyle of this time and era (laughs) absolutely absolutely (laughs) oh yeah he was very pompous it was very um oh gaston yes like it definitely had that vibe and i was just like great this this will be fun yeah but again like it's like that homage that tie to game of thrones and like it makes me excited i'm like oh this is how they all knew each other yeah it was nice a familiar name some history amongst the other families that we know so dearly um you know it it is very nice especially because in game of thrones we didn't know any high towers really we didn't know any valerians at all so it's Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of just a familiar thing like we got the little bit and you know in episode one but like that yeah it was nice seeing that he did give me very like if jamie existed in this it's era. like jamie's twin basically basically jamie and jason they should have been twins absolutely absolutely <laughs> so yeah no but he is super pompous he basically you know offers his hand to her yeah and I don't know, like he was a little bit smooth about it. Like, I mean, I think that he was the worst way. Like he was like, oh yeah, you know, we'll build a dragon pit and cast early rock. And she's like, why would you need that? And he's like to house dragons. Yeah, like it was just, it felt, it didn't feel smooth at all for me. It felt rigid and like too forward. Like he just assumed that she would be like swooned by it, you know? Yeah. Like, yes. And I a swoon reaction. And I'm like, well, you yeah. don't know this girl at all then. So yeah, no. And I never would expect that from her regardless, but I mean that like, you know, it's a very Lannister thing to do. Like just the confidence, the smoothness of it, like the, Oh, da, 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 da. Like, don't you want to see this? Yeah. Oh, you haven't been here. Yeah. Oh, I can tell you like, it's very like, I know all about this. Like I can show 
I can show you the world. The world. Yep. Yes, exactly. Yep. Even though I don't have dragons, I can show you stuff. Yeah, which is annoying because I'm like, you can't show this girl anything. She, yeah, she, no, and she doesn't really care about that. She, again, to her, oh God, I'm sorry. I'm not a Disney adult, but I always reference Disney. Uh, <laughs> again, to reference Aladdin, like, Rhaenyra gives me Jasmine vibes. Like, she just wants to get out of the palace walls. And, like, Jasmine wanted to be with the people. But I think Rhaenyra just, like, you know, like any other fucking prince or princess, like, they just want to get out and, like, have a normal life. And Yeah, 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 yeah. I think Rhaenyra, like, if anything that we're seeing, she really is just so um, self-satisfied. Like, she doesn't need attention or gratification or anything she's not a very social person and that's why you know her and the Allison friendship coming to an end is so heartbreaking because it was really just what she had was her mom her dad and Allison and Mm -hmm. then her mom you know was gone and then she only had her dad and Allison the you know so yeah I think she's she's very like you know, I wouldn't say like a recluse, but she doesn't need all of that. She doesn't want all of that. She doesn't want, you know, so, so yeah, he, he's coming at it. Like if he was talking to any other girl in the seven kingdoms, they probably would have swooned. And he clearly pompous is the best word because he just came off, like just expecting that she was just going to be here for it. And then of well, course, especially because Aegon, you know, he was like, oh, like automatically assume that sh- she's lost yeah. rank. Yeah. Yep. You know, exactly. which I think we all kind of assumed that because this is fucking Game of Thrones. Well, How- yeah. I mean, it's a patriarchal world, right? Like it doesn't matter if you're a 50 year old woman, the one year old son is going to be more important because he's got a dick. It's just. Right. It is what it is. So, um, you know, so yeah, I think that obviously throws her and she goes back into this kind of like dining hall area that they're all in and um, confronts her dad. And then they get into a very loud argument. Mm-hmm. And he's basically saying like, you need to marry You're 17 years old, you know, and she is like, fuck you, dad. I don't have to do shit. And then Otto interrupts and mentions that there's a white heart which is just a white stag deer Mm -hmm. um that was noticed in the woods and that confrontation kind of came to an end and then um Rhaenyra immediately just takes off on like a horse right she takes off on the white horse and then Kristen lovely lovely Kristen Cole takes off after her Riding into the sunset, almost crashing into a lake. (laughs) And one thing that I really liked just about like the symbolism of it was Rainier is so tough and she's so hard. And when she's with Kristen in this whole sequence of them being together in the woods, um, he like allows her to be soft. And I think there's symbolism in that because her horse is like very white and his horse is black and he's in armor and she's in a dress, even though she's in an armor dress, which I fucking love. I'm like, yes, give me that. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was just really nice. Like he eventually catches up to her, grabs her horse, stops her from going into the water. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, was was this a suicide attempt, Rhaenyra? 
Like, don't be, don't be crass. Don't be crazy, girl. We need you. <laughs> don't be crazy, girl. <laughs> crazy. Um, and then he really just like allows her, you know, to just be vulnerable for a second, yeah. which she's not had in so long. And Pretty much I, since she's been with her mom. I want to point out the first question that he asks her uh, really quickly, because I thought it really allowed that space in a really yes. like, safe way he wasn't like oh my god are you okay or like get back here it was like I have it written down he just asked what happened back there yeah you know and I felt like she didn't it wasn't like obligatory I think the tone Mm -hmm. but it was like if you want to tell me what happened it's fine yeah if you want to just tell me that you got angry it's fine. Yeah. He really allowed her. And I, I'm what, you know, I think that, you know, it says a lot of, first of all, about his positioning, he's the King's guard, right? So he is, is sworn like pretty much needs to be like that with all things royalty in the Royal family. But I think it does also say a lot about his character because we've seen some really shitty King's guard, uh, people in the past. Um, I can name fucking 10 of them that Wasn't like the hound of Kingsguard at one point. Yes, he was. Yeah. So was his brother. And bad, so bad, was, but he won good. Yeah, no, exactly. He was very just, he would not have approached a situation like that at all. And then there was the other guy that liked to beat up little girls. And then the other one that was eventually sent to the wall who like <sighs> used to like torture Sansa. Like it was, it's a whole lot of them, a lot of them under Joffrey, of course, but Nonetheless, we've seen a lot of bad ones. So it's it's not even really like saying a lot about his position and needing to take care of her. It's saying a lot about his character, how mm-hmm. he is acting towards her, you know, and then she says, I forget what she says, um, something about, oh, my dad tried to, you know, set me up with Jason Lancer. And he says to you, I'm going to kill him. Yeah. And Should she- I kill him? <laughs> she was startled when he said that I was startled when he said that and I was like oh my god he's so dreamy oh my god it was so funny though it was honestly I was like do you have a sag moon sir I know oh that my god was witty and hilarious yes, he was great he is great I said it from episode fucking two well I said it from episode one because she's the one that gave him her her flower thing yeah. when they were you know when he defeated Damon and I was like this is going to be a guy to watch this season yeah of course and then in the second episode is when she elects him for Kingsguard and I'm like I love this man I don't know if anything is really going to blossom with this man but um you know I know that she trusts him and she likes him and that's mm-hmm. good for her because she needs comfort she's like can you imagine how uncomfortable this girl is in her own home and her own family you know, she has no form of being able to be vulnerable at all in any capacity because she's constantly at risk in her position. So that was really nice. Um, I'm happy that they had that time together, you know, during the episode, but then we kind of go, you know, where he's like, should we go back? She says, no, it's so pretty out here. Let's just stay in the woods. Mm -hmm. And it just reminds me of Into the Woods, the musical, um, a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Into the Woods, Grandmother's House. (laughs) Um, I'm just like, yes, stay in the woods, babes. Yeah. Stay in the woods. Yeah, absolutely. Everything. Be like your father. Just 
you know, like yeah. escapism, fight or flight. Yeah. She's learning it somewhere. Like, yeah, that's absolutely acceptable. Like sometimes you need to just flee the scene for a little while. Like people need space. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, learn that about your fucking loved ones. Like, do they need space or do they need to figure it out right there? And yeah. Um, so I just want to go back like a little bit because while all of this is happening, what's basically happening is Aegon's second birthday is being celebrated. They had like some feasts and some parties, but now they're on the hunt. Yes. And again, just to round back to Allison's kind of like pulls at, um, at Rhaenyra, she, when she was speaking to her, she at like when the when the little pool boy was like singing to her yes um she basically you know she requests her presence at the hunt by the king but before that it wasn't because of the king Rainier is the one who posed that question and she said yes but really it's I think she wanted Rainier to be there because she it was like her first hunt pregnant as hell this is her old like I don't know that's a very really good point. Allison is really like, it's like so clouded by her positioning. Yeah. But like, I think she's trying really yeah. hard to extend this olive branch because that's still her friend. She's a mother. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so fucked up. But like, what was Allison going to do? Say no? That's true. That's true. Ferris was still going to marry her regardless. He's yeah. Gonna- you, you just made me think about it in a whole different way just now thinking about I clearly am seeing it through Rhaenyra's eyes she's all by herself Allison was her one friend you know it that was taken away from her but it was the same for Allison her Mm -hmm. one friend was Rhaenyra too and now she doesn't have that either yeah Yeah. and Allison again stands in an olive branch when they're talking in you know when she enters the party and I just want to say Rhaenyra although closed and very earthy she talks to people well like she she's very well spoken with yeah people. It, it like and it makes me feel good and warm inside I'm like oh look at you like you're good with the people like that mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but Allison like when the when the old lady is talking and she she kind of like she just tries her a little bit and Allison bucks up to the old lady and yeah. she defends her a little bit again and she kind of you know like it was just like another nod to you. Like I'm trying to get to you subtly without overwhelming you. Cause I know you're angry with me. Yeah. So I, I noticed that too. And I, I just feel like Rhaenyra for me in this storyline is so relatable. I would feel exactly like she does likely. I think eventually, I mean, it's been two years since Viserys basically told Alicent that she was going to marry him. He didn't even, it wasn't like a modern proposal by any name of the right. word. But so you're right. It was almost like, what are you going to do? Say no to the King. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but so it's been almost two years. Rhaenyra can hold a fucking grudge, but I think it's not even necessarily Alicent. I think it's the whole situation. And I think that's why I can like identify. I'm like, I would feel the same way too. I mean, my position is constantly being threatened. And then my dad's trying to make me marry because he's just trying to fuck me off to like the next, like the next biggest village. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. And I think that, you know, with that specific note about the noble women and all of them having their own salty ass opinions, uh, when Allison spoke up, 
I immediately was like, stop kissing Rhaenyra's ass. Like that's not going to work. You're yeah. not going to get her respect that way. I it's- knew that wasn't going to work. It's yeah. just like, it's so polarizing. It's so complex because as angry as I am too for Rhaenyra, I'm like, God, this fucking sucks. Like, and she says it in the wagon on their way over. She says, no one's here for me. Yeah. Like I wrote that down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get that a hundred percent, but I also see Allison's. I'm just like, dude, you also, you gained some shit. You may have gained children that you love. You may have gained a king that's pretty kind you know like you're lucky he's not a terrible king but you still lost something that was like more important than gaining queenship yeah damn like to be honest and sorry podcasters you're gonna hear some mushy shit sometimes (laughs) I like I would no I would way rather give up being queen than losing Samantha as my best friend like 100% I would too I would too but you're right does she even have a choice in the matter so that's that's number one right and then number two it's like I understand her trying to make the best of the situation but like now after that the relationship has changed instead of my best friend it's now like you're fucking my dad you're the queen of the realm and you're basically my mother-in-law or like my stepmom. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just it's forever tarnished. Off. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is forever tarnished and it sucks. And it like, really it's, suck. like it's, it's fucking it's heartbreaking over the last two years because she already had a baby and she's pregnant again. Like that's back to back basically. Yeah. Basically. You know, so she's dealing like they, her world is changing so fast and becoming a mother. And it's not to say that people lose their friendships, but you know, it's harder to keep those connections with your girlfriends. Oh yeah. 100%. Every flame me in the comments. Flame, honestly, like if you're besties with your fucking friends that have a million kids, you know, like it's not impossible. I'm not saying that, but I do think that like, if you don't have children, yeah, they don't have as much to relate to each other anymore. They have hardly little, so much, very, very little to relate to each other anymore. Now, the circumstances on both sides entirely have changed. And it sucks because, you know, and this is something like George R. R. Martin, inevitably, it's inevitable heartbreak in all of his stories. We know this, it's his shtick. But, you know, so what sucked is that, we see Rhaenyra, you know, who is so humble, but still so like, you know, she knew that he was always trying for a boy and then he elects her in uh, to be his heir in the first episode. And we see her finally glow a little bit, like finally feel like, okay, my own female life is mean something right now. And then the second episode literally six months later but second episode to us we see him break her fucking heart again you know like so it's like and and through really no fault of anyone's and and she Rhaenyra says that in this episode her and Viserys have a sit down we'll get to in a minute but um you know she says basically like if you were marrying for uh, strategy or allegiance or to gain anything, you would have married the Valerian girl, mm-hmm. but instead you married Allison. And I think she put him in his place so hard with that because he married Allison for comfort and for love, 
you know, he didn't need to marry her and, but he did anyways. So, you know, it, it was really like, if any fault at all, it's Viserys because he knew that they were best friends. And then he's like, I'm going to go fuck my daughter's best friend. Like, and I'm just like, God damn it, Viserys. Like the one decision that you make by yourself, it's the worst one. You know what I mean? Like you can't make a decision ever. And the one that you do really, I mean, outside of auto sneakily <coughs> sending his own daughter into fucking seduce you for like, yeah, I mean, yeah, like he could have taken time to court like other noble women of the fucking lands. Well, we do know that it's six months have gone by, so we can assume that Allison is going to his chambers every other fucking night in her mother's yeah. dresses and seducing him privately. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, so yeah, so it sucks because it's of no fault really of either of them. I get it. That's why it's so heartbreaking because it's like you can really see where both of them are coming from. Both of them are heartbroken. You know, the shitty thing is is that if we like put it on a a Libra scale, right? Like Allison now has a husband and children or like a child and is expecting another. So she's got the fulfillment, at least a family and Rhaenyra is by herself, but she's got the heir to the throne she's the heir to the throne Mm -hmm. so she's got power but she's still very lonesome she's still very much by herself so it's like they both kind of have it bad and kind of have advantages in one way or another they just don't have each other and I think honestly if they could choose I wouldn't say Allison would choose to still be friends with her because now she has a son you know and being a mother I know like you don't give up your kids I mean least so I think you wouldn't give up your kids for anything so the opportunity to have children whether they be powerful or not I don't think that matters but you know so nonetheless that was a winded way of me saying that like I, they both won some they both gained something but lost a lot absolutely and I think like you know I just really wanted to deep dive that a little bit because we are women we're best friends you know, like, and I love women friendships. Like I have server restaurant employment and it is so cute when like girl tables come in and they're like hanging out together. And it's like, it's so sweet. So like, I know how deep that bond is. And I think like, it's, it's that personally was just heartbreaking. I was like, fuck dude. Oh, it's going to be the most heartbreaking thing of the season for sure. I think that that is, that killed me from the very beginning. I saw it from episode one and I was like, fuck, this is going to really, really suck. Mm -hmm. And like, honestly, if I, if I could have it any differently, just in like a screen, right. Screenplay kind of thing, I would have had the friendship maybe like seen more of it to really, because it, I probably like, if it was like drawn out a little bit more and we really got to see their closeness before Viserys. Oh God. I would have cried. I would have been in shambles and I kind of wish that I was because that's what Game of Thrones always evoked for me as the series itself was just like, just very intense emotion. And that's what I want. But yeah, no, Maddie and I, we're both two people that really, really value friendship even more than romantic relationships a lot of the time, because we know that friends are forever and, you know, they're 
like friends are your true soulmates. I think we, we both agree with that. So I think that's why this is really hard. I think this is going to be the heartbreak of the series. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, not that family isn't important, but that's wise to learn. And I think, you know, a lot of people learn that as life goes on. So hopefully all you listeners, we love you. We hope you have really good friendships. I know. Tell your friends you love them. Oh my God. Tell them we love them. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, okay so let's there's a lot more that happened so we'll move from that um okay so we talked about Rhaenyra and Kristen in the woods and the dolly also big woods moment another into the woods the stag the deer oh wait wait we'll talk about that after we'll talk about that after oh yeah sorry chronological order (laughs) oh I might have maybe I didn't write things down so sorry you that's okay get in there getting it out because I wanted to spend time on that one but I just wanted to like get through the little bit I'm telling I'm, I'm sorry guys I'm telling you I I wrote such vigorous chronological notes that I'm like let's just you know this is different than how we normally do things but um okay so while Rhaenyra and Kristen are in the woods uh Viserys is confronted by he's sitting he's drinking He's trying to ignore the fact that his daughter just ran out and, you know, he's using, I, it really feels like, okay, you're self-medicating with wine right now, but, mm-hmm. um, he's confronted by Otto who, uh, you know, big toe, big toe Otto. Mm-hmm. And he, Otto is saying, I think that Rhaenyra should marry Aegon, the baby, I know. Yeah. So I'm just like, fuck's sake. These people are ruthless with these. Like first we had a 12 year old trying to marry a likely 50 something, maybe 60 something, i.e. Viserys. And now you have Otto trying to promise a two year old to a 17 year old. It's just, it's referenced last podcast. What I wrote in my notes is I get the fucking TikTok now. Yeah, about that because I was like, oh, maybe it is historically accurate, but now I'm like, they're fucking obsessed because then the other guy, I don't know his name. There's like another guy on his council. Yes, yeah, I don't know his name either, but I've been everyone online loves him. I need to learn his name, but yeah. Well, he suggests Lenor. Lenor. Yep. For which is the Valyrian son. He's older now. But still, get <sighs> yeah. So I mean, so we have talked a lot about incest, um, but I think we've talked more so about it on like just our personal conversation. So I did want to touch on this a little bit. Um, you know, I think that incest. I think I actually talked about this in the last episode, but I mean, clearly incest. No one gave a shit about it in this time, clearly. and it, I really think it took. Um, and I, I've been rewatching Game of Thrones, um, recently, and I think it really took the Targaryen dynasty to have a lot of psychotic people, um, for people to then realize, like others to then realize maybe incest is bad because Targaryens were the ones that had ancestral relationships more often than any other noble houses, Mm -hmm. um, because they were so powerful. They wanted to keep bloodlines clean. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. They had no reason to marry out for lands or for power or for anything like other noble houses do. 
So um, there was one thing that Cersei actually said in Game of Thrones was like, you know what they used to say when a Targaryen was born, um, the gods would flip a coin. And it's like, like just about like, it's a 50, 50, whether or not they're going to be crazy. Right. So, you know, I think that the incest and that became uh, like a cardinal sin. If well, you know. right. And I think like another point to just add to this is like, they do reference like the Citadel in this series and in Game of Thrones, like mm-hmm. they record the families and what happens and the story. So like people start to notice patterns and yes. you're right. Like, I agree that that is probably the theory of why eventually it was, it was more fun and outlawed. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. exactly. So I think that that was specifically because the Targaryens, but we are 200 years and no mad men, you know, 200 years before and no mad men. So I think it's, it takes a lot, but we, you know, we do know that there continues to be more incest, incestual relationships within the Targaryen line as we, you know, develop up to where Daenerys is in Game of Thrones. Um so nonetheless, uh, Otto wants her to marry Aegon, which is her literal blood brother, which is, yeah. uh, Lainor is her cousin, so it's a little bit more removed, and Lainor is of age, I want to say, just by guessing, uh, probably 14, 15 years old, um, you know, so... Nonetheless, those are the two councilmen that came and that's when Viserys is like, fuck the politics. I don't want to hear it. More wine, please. Thanks. And so that's kind of where we are with, you know, and when I say that he's kind of fearful avoidant, he is trying just not to think about it because now he has a son. Now the pressure's on, you know, is Renier going to say the heir or heiress? Very stressed out CEO and... I'm sorry to say this for the world, but like, I think he needs a dominatrix. I was going to say he needs to be pegged. That's what he needs. <laughs> he needs. That's bad. But like, he needs someone like he needs to be a kid for a day. And like, it's very much giving me. Yeah, I think he's fearful avoidant, too. But like I to this specific day was really getting to him. Yeah. It's like, damn, Viserys, I feel bad for you. You need someone to make the decisions. Yeah. Well, and I think that a second name day is probably a big milestone for children because a lot of babies die when they're first born because mm-hmm. of fever and pox and Mm-hmm. you know, whatever else children can get. They, can they don't really have medicine. That, yeah. So like, I think two is a big milestone. Like, okay, he's officially a toddler. He made it through his infancy or, you know, I don't know if that's the right word, but um, you know, he's, he will now grow. There's not as many risks in this part of his growth. Yeah. So I think that that's probably like a big pressure point for Viserys too, is that now that the Aegon has made it to two, everyone's like, okay, when are you going to name the heir? Because this mm-hmm. is around that time that you should. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he's basically tells everyone to fuck off. Uh, and then, then we get to, we go back to Rhaenyra and, and Sir Dolly Doll, Kristen Cole, and <laughs> he made her a fire and they're sitting there. And honestly, it's the rom- most romantic moment of this series so far. It's very cute. And, you know, she's asking him questions like, 
you know, do you think the realm will accept me as queen? And he kind of hesitates. And my theory is always hesitation is a no. Yep. So fuck. Uh, you know, but he's I being honest with her and he kind of just says, well, they have to. So, so I did not love that because of the pause and the way he answered, like, I don't know, like it was politically correct, but it was not enthused and it wasn't like, I have faith. You know, I, I, it just like, I, we all want to love him. He's hot. He's young, but this is game of Thrones, baby. He's the enemy. I mean, but the thing is, is I actually really appreciated the way that he said it because she is not one to be like mugged off, you know, like, it's just like, don't lie to her. She gets that enough. She's in power. Everyone is around here, like kissing her ass all the time. Like I I'm actually really thankful that although the answer wasn't what we wanted to hear, wasn't what she might've wanted to hear. The point is, is that she doesn't just want to hear what she wants to hear. She wants the truth. And I think that, you know, I appreciate his kind of honesty. Um, you guys can't see us right now, but Maddie's cat is literally on her lap and all I see is his tail, like slapping her in the face. And she's so nice and not kicking him off. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I appreciated it in the sense of what it was. It's like, I'm going to be a friend that's, that's truthful to you. Yeah. And that's nice because she really needs that. She does not need anybody else kissing it. Like the fucking well, heart boy that was playing the song for her over and over again you know yes and I have to say later on when they are walking back I don't want to like jump ahead or anything but when he is talking to her like he does show um some gratitude for his positioning he's like you know I'm the highest ranked person in my family Mm -hmm. because of you yeah I am thankful for that. I thought that was so nice, especially because like he complimented her character. Yeah. It wasn't like you're a blonde, hot, young fucking. I know. This is the patriarchy. Like that was so cool. I was just like, you're complimenting her character, but also like about her, her wits and her um, fairness. Yes, which is, you know, just very, very cool of him because, you know, Maddie and I both as women um, really, I think, like, of course, everyone wants to feel pretty and be called pretty. And it's not we're not saying don't say that, but it is really nice. Like if somebody compliments me and says, oh, I love your sense of humor or you know, I love like your intelligence on a specific thing that goes miles farther than like, oh, I think you look pretty today. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's just, and I think that she feels the same way. Rhaenyra is the, 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 she wants to be valued for things other than her beauty and her, her position, you know, mm-hmm. she wants to be valued for her character. So I think that that really went a long way. I'm happy that he said that I'm fucking a Chris and cool Stan. I'm like, yes, for the Dornish. Hell Love yeah. You. I'm here for it. Please don't die. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Honestly, it works so well. Like her energy, she might be a fucking Targaryen, but her energy is Dornish. I feel like it is too. Like, I feel like she's just like. She's adventurous and bold and free. Yeah. That's the Dornish way, baby. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, honestly, like, oh God, sorry to go back to the incest part, but if she's going to marry anyone, they should let her marry fucking Damon. I mean, he's okay, pretty- so that's what I thought that Otto was going to say originally. Damn. Like, I thought that he was going to say she should marry Damon because that would help bring like the the rift in you know the targaryen family to a close clearly they have so much um confidence in the targaryen name that even if the two damon and viserys the two brothers are fighting and at odds with one another and have remained at odds for years with one another they have so much like confidence in it and i'm like this is eventually what gets you all fucked off like this is what gets you killed is that is these ridges that are created in your own family like that so in damon not is not her fucking direct brother a two-year-old damon is such a good suit for her if we're just taking incest out of the picture if we're just living in the moment we're just we're just gonna stop talking about incest it's it's a thing it's gonna fucking happen like oh god it just like that part is pissy Uh, the guy Aegon, the fucking baby like bro get the hell out of here with that too i'm just like oh god get out of here with that so moving on just a good you know just a point that i was like oh yeah why wouldn't they do that yeah no i thought that that's what otto was gonna say and then of course he didn't because he wants his grandson to be on the throne too you know Mm -hmm. what i mean he wants so if at any in any case viserys didn't renounce Rhaenyra's uh claim to the throne her being the heiress then at least if she was queen his grandson Otto's grandson would be king essentially just like Alicent is queen right now to King Viserys so he Otto is just trying to set his you know his lineage up to be in power one way or another which is why he said Alice you know we already know this so so I thought that Otto was going to say, because he said a lot, he was giving hints, like, I'm going to name a Targaryen, but you don't know which one. And right. I really thought it would be Damon. I was hoping that it would be Damon. Um, but of course, Otto wouldn't say that. Right. So, no. um, yeah. Okay. So then going forward, we get to the point where Rhaenyra and Kristen are in the woods. They're by the fire. She asks that question. He answers how he answers. And then, um, and then they are attacked by a hog. And I'm from Florida. Maddie currently lives in Florida. So we both know that hogs are fucking wild and crazy. And, you know, we, they will kill you. Yeah. They, they will, will straight you. up kill you. PSA, do your Googles. I can't <laughs> tell you exactly how it'll happen, but you like hogs, wild hogs will, fu- wild boars. Yeah. They're ruthless and mean and territorial and aggressive as fuck. So, None of that was, um, I don't think, you know, uh, unrealistic by no, any stretch. It, I was actually quite impressed that they thought to do that. I was like, oh shit, duh. So yeah. So then Kristen is knocked over, but then eventually goes up, stabs the shit. It's not dead. And then Rhaenyra, it, it, she's stabbing the fuck out of this thing and taking out what feels like so much aggression, especially because in the very beginning of the episode, she said she has no interest in hunting. And yeah. when sounds that the boars make when you kill them, they sound like crying babes. Yeah. So, so she does it. Obviously, she has to do it for survival, but that's also, you know, I don't know if that's like a foreshadow, like she'll do what she has to do. 
Um, but then immediately we don't even see the thing fully die. We just see her face drenched in blood as she's stabbing this and then immediately cut to Viserys in front of the fire. And I'm like, I feel um, like that's just a representation of her pent up passive aggressiveness towards her own father, maybe. Yes, absolutely. And towards all the things that are happening. I just want to make a quick reference to all scary movies that have people who punch or stab the villain and then they run before they make sure they're dead. That's one thing I did like about the scene. I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, we didn't see it fully die, but we would assume because she was stabbing it multiple times that she was making sure it was dead. She was necking that thing. Not a scary movie, but I still appreciated the gesture. I was like, don't just run, you know, make sure you're clear. Fucking A. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, love that too. She is a diligent person. She's oriented that girl. Yeah, Um, you're correct. We snapped to Viserys in front of the fire he's standing in front of the bonfire he's drunk and i just want to say that this actor i don't know his name but he's got a great drunk wobble i've (laughs) seen that wobble i've done that wobble i've seen myself do that wobble and that was a great drunk wobble (laughs) even when he did the little um he was sitting in the chair and he missed or like he like put the the uh that like the pitcher down oh like, yeah yep yep the first time it was I don't know that was very it was, good. The, it was good yeah the physical acting is great with this guy um mm-hmm. so he's standing there he's in his emotions you know clearly drunk and Allison comes up and she's talking to him and then he's basically just giving a spiel about how he is is not confident with his pick in Rhaenyra he doesn't know what his dreams have meant clearly a very superstitious man it feels like all of the Targaryens to a certain extent were superstitious people when we talked about um you know the song of ice you know a song of ice and fire and and the kind of premonitions or dreams that they would have so you know he's he's kind of venting to her a little bit and then we cut to um uh the next morning when he Viserys is called to kill the sack which my least favorite scene of all of Game of Thrones history so basically the king doesn't fucking you know I the only experience that we've had watching or seeing or hearing of anything hunting wise with the kings is Robert Baratheon loved to hunt in season one of game of thrones Mm -hmm. and you know but he loved to go out and do it himself and that's what ended up getting him killed he got attacked by a boar and bloodied the fuck up so but he was a man that wanted to go out and physically do it so that was my idea of what hunting was in this era so when viserys ever fucking pulled up needed a stool to get off his own horse and then there was a like a, a male deer tied in five directions stuck there for god knows how long you know squirming and whatever and of course it's not a real animal and don't you know i'm not fucking PETA, but what i am saying is that it's fucking awful and i'm just like i have such little respect for this high like high born bullshit of i can't hunt myself and i'm gonna keep an animal in misery just to just so i can be the one that kills it and then he doesn't even fucking kill it 
And mm-hmm. it's God, it's just the whole thing pissed me off. We don't have to spend too much time on it, but like, fuck, that was my least favorite. I'm like, why are we doing so much shit with animals? Right yeah. Now? So it felt like a cursed ass moment to me because he kills it with the weapon that Jason Lannister gifts to him. And like, I don't know. I just like Lannister's bad news. Yeah. Bad news. Red I don't news. like this. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then he doesn't kill it its first time. And then it is screaming and it's horrible to watch. And it was like, I, yeah, I was cringing the entire time. Eventually stabs it a second time, kills it. Um, and then we cut to, uh, Rhaenyra is on her horse. Cole's horse is next to her. They're looking over the mountainside. They see like the camp where everybody is in the distance and, then she looks over to her right and there's the white stag that they've been talking about all all episode that that's the great omen of royalty and things that good things to come and it's such a good omen on Aegon's second name day that you know if the king would find and kill the white stag and she sees it and Kristen goes to you know pull out his knife maybe try to kill it or just defend her if it came and she says no and then it runs away. And that was, you know, one of the bigger, I think, metaphorical things is, you know, she's the one that actually sees the sag and not her father who had been wanting to see it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it felt definitely kind of monumentous. Like I definitely had like an expecto patronum patronus. Yes, moment. definitely. Uh, well, because but, Harry's Patronus was a, a yeah, sag. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it definitely felt like it had meaning. I actually wanted to spend some time maybe looking that up later to see, like, what that means in, like, different cultures. Um, maybe we'll tag it in the description later. But I just... Yeah, it was it was really nice. It actually felt like so calm that moment. Like yeah. it felt really still and peaceful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it was just like after some chaos. Yeah, it was really, really beautiful. And it was very calm and it felt it felt right. Like it felt like she knew it was right. You know, it, it like it. Fe- I felt like I could empathize with her in that moment. Like this is like we're we're at like I'm at peace. Yeah, with, and I would actually say this is one this. of my preferred. Like I would say this is one of the scenes that I prefer in the series from Game of Thrones too. Like I I really liked that scene. Yeah, I did too. I did too. It felt very nice. We didn't often get that at all in Game of Thrones, like just a a feeling of like sanctity. So that was really nice. And then we immediately go into her bloody faced and all dragging that fucking pig back. And that was incredible. It was incredible because she just cut like she first she's missing He's got everyone looking for her. She's clearly safe out with Dolly Doll, Chris and Cole, and then comes back with a fucking boar and is like, here's my, because basically what you hunt for a name day is what you're offering to the birthday person, right? Like it's just, you know, your contribution, which is why it's such a big deal that the king, especially if it's his son's name day, is the one that 
is you know kills mm-hmm. the biggest game you right. know so that's why they they didn't just kill the deer and bring it back they had Viserys go out because it's just the representation and the, the symbolism of that so her bringing back a boar herself especially after saying in the very beginning of the episode like I don't I don't hunt this isn't this doesn't interest me her doing it from survival and then bringing it back as you know an offering essentially for the celebration and everyone's face just dropped. I was like you guys you motherfuckers are so intimidated you can't even speak so good I don't know if Uh, it was swordsmith or like a guy cutting some shit or just like a soldier he looked he was like damn i would fuck this girl right now yeah but the way that he looked at her was like bruh respect yeah it just looked like respect in their fucking eyes and honestly it was so great it was so great to watch it was wonderful and then so we're seeing all of the like other people as she's walking through and then she gets to there's the main table that Viserys is at, that Allison and the baby are at, you know, that Otto is at, and all of their faces were just like, what the fuck happened yeah. in the last 12 hours that this girl has been gone? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I just showed you what the fuck happened. Like, I don't even need to say shit. Like, you know what I'm capable of now. Thank you. Yeah, um, it, it was, was it was really, really good. I'm like, God, she, I'm so happy she got that moment. I, I'm jealous. I've never had a moment like that. I would love to have a moment like that. Just like coming over and being like, you can't see me. Like just John Cena as fuck. Like I'm just like, I just want that, you know? So I'm very, very happy for her. Especially because I'm like, fuck you, Otto. Like you don't know shit. And I think that that had a direct, uh, you know, effect on the conversation that she then has with Viserys that happens right after where they're back at home celebrations are over you know he's in the council room she walks in talks to him and they you know she sits down and they're just talking about her getting married and you know he's this is when I mentioned earlier when you know she throws Allison in his face and it's like you didn't marry for anything before she says that she um basically said like he's like why do you resist all help like why I was I sent Jason Lannister to help you and she's like because you're just trying to throw me away like basically she just feels like as soon as she gets married she's going to be discarded which is fair because anyone would feel the same yeah Um, and you know and so I think that she's so well spoken in this scene that it really rings true to him. Although I don't think you have to be that well-spoken with Viserys for him to, he's just very, very empathetic, I would say. Like, it's like, you don't even have to speak. You just got to look at him a certain way and he's like, ooh, and trembles, you know, like he, so, but she is very well-spoken and, you know, he eventually says, um, you know, tells her that she has to marry, but she can marry whoever the fuck she wants. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Here. I think like the man is tired. He doesn't want to yeah. do like, you know what you need to marry, but like you can pick. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, because, and well, and then I think that's a lot to do with Allison's counsel too, because she's the one that says like, I warned Rhaenyra, you. Yeah. Fucking crass. I, yeah. No, Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra is the type of person she needs to feel like it's her own decision 
she will not listen if you try to set things up for her, which reminds me a lot oh, of my yeah. mom. Um, so, and that's how we know that Rainier is earthy as fuck. Like she just yeah. has to come to it on her own, you yeah. know, and feel in control of what she's doing. So, um, I do really appreciate Viserys though. One thing we did not touch on was, uh, Jason Lannister also visiting him while he was drunk and asking for her hand and basically saying like, yes, he's lowered in rank. I just thought like this would be doing her a favor. I like, I feel like at every point in this episode, like he has defended and compromised with her as best he can like yes he's the king but he's still a father like he's agree best to be as much of a father as he can be with the duties and roles that he has to fulfill like he takes every chance that he can get to be like a dad with her in a way yeah that was one of my biggest notes um thank you thank you for going back to that because i didn't have that in my chronological notes but i had that in my other notes is that I'm like, Viserys, come the fuck through defending her because Jason just automatically assumed and literally says this to him like a bold cunt that he is. Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you have a son now. So isn't, Rhaenyra is going to be denounced, right? Like she's going to be supplanted is what they call it. And Viserys is like, I didn't pick her on a whim, you cocksucked. Right. Like I picked her because I thought that she could do it. So like, right. get the fuck out of my face, you know? And I love that because that was like, I don't think Viserys is a bad father by any stretch. I think he's a fantastic father. I think that he is just, and has never been fit to be king for these duties. Like he is such a loving, like I said, empathetic, fearful person that I don't think that the throne is right for him whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I think the throne would have been great for Rhaenys, the aunt, but you know, I think that that's where the dilemmas are coming from is, is duty versus the ones he loves. Like, because I think that he is an incredible father and just doing the best that he can. I can't fault him really on any point, except for like marrying his daughter's best friend. But like, apparently that's how they did shit back then. Yeah. But, but so yeah, you're totally right. I think him just standing up for her, like the way that he shoots back at Jason is so concise. He's like, yo, you better step down. Like, are you telling me that there's like, you know, basically like people plotting against me? They don't want to follow. Like, you're telling me that they lied. Yeah. And so it's your like he just called him out really hard, and I loved it. And I was just like, yeah. yeah. Like, and I think like in that moment, and just like the day of it all, it really just solidified his like he's gonna try his best to get her to take care of her duties, but in her capacity yes yeah I agree I I loved that I loved that moment I was like god we needed someone to be her champion behind her back for once you know because she is like chock full of defending herself in person to all of these people and probably even more so than what we see on screen clearly but like you know, I'm just like, God, Viserys, like all this girl needs is a fucking father to defend her, you know, and, mm-hmm. and especially defend what you gave to her. She yeah. had no choice in the matter either, you know? Mm-hmm. So whether she wanted it or not, it's still like, you know, you put her in this position, you were ultimately put in this position. We all are, but like, it's your job as a parent, you know, it's like Maddie and I have talked about this a lot, not even outside, like inside of Game of Thrones, but 
just like, what is the duty of a parent? And when do we grow old enough to parent our own parents? And like, when does that responsibility kind of end? And I don't think it ever does end. Like when you're a parent, you are supposed to defend your children and take care of your children and make them feel good and comfortable and all these things. So I was really like, we haven't really seen Viserys do a lot of that outside of the first episode in just in naming her his heir. But like, you know, and he's comforted her emotionally sometimes, but it was really nice to see that behind her back, he's stern and believes in her, truly yeah. believes in her. Yeah. So that I was wish, really nice to see. I wish you would have heard it, but you know. I know, I know, I do too. Style, missed connections, baby. Yeah, literally. So, but then he does say when they are in the council room, she mentions Allison. He tells her that he wants her to marry, but she can pick whoever he does say like, I swear on your mother or your mother's grave or, you know, however he phrases it, you know, I will not supplant you. And I, I was annoyed because I'm like, Viserys stop making promises that you can't keep because literally everyone in the realm is trying to convince you to do otherwise. And you are a yes man. And I think that that's just ultimately well, going to lead to heartache for her. I don't think well, that that's- I had to theorize about anything. My one true, very 99% sure theory is that she never becomes queen. Well, right. And that's a great point because Allison is being manipulated by her father still to, um, you know, basically pillow talk the king into making sure that Aegon gets the placement of kingship eventually instead of Rhaenyra, even though, I mean, I do think Alicent wants Rhaenyra to be queen deep down, but she's, you know, product of her environment. Like she's just trying to survive and do what the fuck she's got to do. Um, so I think you're absolutely right. I think he could absolutely be swayed and Alicent is his most trusted and she's so gentle. She's so kind about it. Like, she's really under his like radar completely. And I just think that he's going to, he's going to fall right into that trap. He is going to just, I don't even know, like Allison, it sucks. It her, That situation really sucks. I feel like she doesn't even, she's evil, but like, she doesn't want to be like, oh, God, I hate this. Well, yeah, no, she's a pawn. You know, yeah, she's, she's a total pawn. pawn. This sucks. Mm-hmm. This sucks. I know. It really does. It does because she is like otherwise such a good person from what we've seen. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I'm like, fuck with the show. Like, we don't know any of them before any of this stress actually happened. I, I'm really hoping that they come through with the where we end where the the real like conflict really starts like we start to see more of their characters and I you know I get that you know we're in it for the backstory right now and that's what we're dealing with and we know that there's a lot of time jumps and then at at some point the time jumps dissipate and we're in for like the real conflict so I'm just like hoping that you know we get more of their character but on on the note of just where we're at with Rhaenyra and Viserys um, having that talk in the council room. We also see Rhaenyra go to Viserys's, you know, their chambers later on. And 
And that's when she, that's basically, it's actually happens before they're in the, uh, Rainier and Viserys are in the council room, but um, Allison basically tells Viserys that, you know, you can't force her to do anything. She has to feel like it's her own decision. She has to have autonomy. That mm-hmm. is what she craves the most. And that was really, really great advice. And I do love that Allison is there to give him that advice coming from a standpoint of like his wife, but also her friend and someone that cares better deeply. And I think that that is really going to help, but I don't, I don't foresee like anything really being great. Like I don't foresee their relationship really getting any better. Although I I do think that I do really want Rainier to find someone that she loves and to have some sort of like constituted ally for the first time, someone that can't be taken away, an actual husband, somebody that she trusts. And this brings up my question is with the King's guard, I'm trying to remember because like, so my, from my knowledge in the King's guard, so like Jamie Lannister in game of Thrones was in the King's guard and he served Robert. Br- he served King, um, the mad King. And then he served Robert Baratheon And then he was kidnapped for two years and lost his hand and so on and so forth. But then basically like Joffrey was able to alleviate his King's guardship, even though it's supposed to be a lifetime, et cetera. Like it's supposed to be a lifetime duty, but I'm wondering if Rhaenyra even though she elected Kristen Cole to be in her Kingsguard, if she would still, if she would be, excuse me, be able to alleviate him of that duty and marry him because he's the only person that I could see her wanting. And she did smile when he yeah. said that. Like she had already either just like smiling out of freedom, like, okay, I can get to pick myself and I don't have to like rush, right? I can just really find somebody that I love. Or if she already had him in mind. Yeah, absolutely. Because she's already been like flirty with him. We know that yeah. from previous episodes. Um, so moving on, <laughs> we see what do you have in your notes? Oh God, sorry, sorry, oh, sorry. No, I didn't know I want to throw you off your chronology. <laughs> Like, no wait no 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 it's okay it's okay it's okay um okay kill side burr, 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 burr. okay so pretty much the last thing i wrote was they're talking in the council room he tells her that you know she can choose whoever she wants she walks out happy he says that he's never going to supplant her and then immediately we are on the sandstones correct yes with um damon and his snaky dragon Syraxis, uh <laughs> blowing shit up and uh, well, that was in the beginning, but now we're called pretty much to the council room esque rock thing that they've claimed. And all of the crab people are in the caves and they're talking, uh, the Valerians are there. So we have the Corliss, his son, Lenor, and then the uh, Corliss's brother. I'm not, I don't know his name. Lenor? Vandor? something it's all yeah yeah uh, who the fuck you know, things? i don't fucking we'll know learn it. once i see a character twice i will learn their name okay <laughs> that's kind of my thing 
um or three times because i still don't know that council man's name and we've seen him three times already but um yeah so we're brought there and uh they're just talking about how they're going to get the crab people out of the thing lanor says um in like an obvious tone like damon is the only one that's fighting for us why mm-hmm. aren't you down there you know like and I'm just like props to you, Lenore, because my baby daddy Damon is is a one man oh, fucking army God. right now. He was so hot this episode. Oh, I love him. Honestly, I, I let me just read my notes. Um, it was super sexy to watch Damon go solo dolo at Crab Feeder. Like, oh my god him yeah like okay so yes we know that they're fighting but at this point towards the end of the episode when they show the crowd people basically he goes in damon goes in by himself and kind of like he's got his archers behind him he's basically trying to make his way to the crab feeder um and they don't know how many people they have inside they think it's a few so at first i'm thinking like oh is he setting himself up it's got to be a booby trap which yeah was because he received news of aid which allison convinced the king to do viserys she's like why aren't you sending aid yeah yeah, yeah. so he gets notice of that and honestly timed it perfectly it was dramatic it was, God, it was so hot. It was it so was, hot. No, it was great because especially, I mean, he, so I um, can identify with that. Like, I just understand his character so much. Um, you know, it's been two years of him fighting this fight. I just want to put a strong, bold fucking emphasis that this was not his fight to fight. He is doing this for the Valerians because they're, they're people that are on their ships, their soldiers and their workers are the ones that are getting caught by the crab feeder and mm-hmm. and dying. So the Valerians are really the ones. So I'm like, the fact that Damon is even the one that we saw in the very beginning was out there with Syraxes, burning the shit out of everybody. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, I'm just like, where the fuck are you guys? Like, you're Valerians, right? Like, you're the ones that this is your fight that Damon is now in because he's an honorable sexy son of a bitch and mm-hmm. where where are you so like that you know so that's just a number one overall consensus is like i haven't seen any of you motherfuckers on the battlefield i haven't seen any mm-hmm. of you all like you know so nonetheless but yeah he gets the news from his brother i also want to say it's something that's annoying i'm comparing to game of thrones but um when Damon is like rowing to shore to wave the white flag clearly as get them out of the caves that's the problem Mm -hmm. um they're reading Viserys's letter out loud in Viserys's voice like Viserys is narrating his letter and that's something that Game of Thrones never done and I fucking hated it because I didn't enjoy it either it just it feels lazy guys it feels like lazy storytelling like jesus you know can we be fucking original it's definitive i mean i get that it's a prequel we know but like yeah it's too definitive i don't like it just it's leave some room for context give context clues do something else other than just have 
Damon read a quick scroll and then start beating the shit out of some guy, you know, and then five seconds later, start reading the letter, just do Mm -hmm. something like it just feels lazy, lazy screenwriting. Mm -hmm. No offense. I'm sure you're great, but like, fuck off. Seriously. (laughs) They're never going to hire us. They're never going to hire us. It's okay. Uh, So yeah, then he comes in like a one man bandstand and fucking mercs so many people. And I'm like, I am so here for it, Damon, you chaotic motherfucker. I love you, you demon from hell. I'm so here for it with, yeah. so, and for the record, for those that don't know, Syraxes his dragon. The reason why he looks so snake-like is because he's deformed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we mentioned that in the previous pod, but. Yes, okay. So nonetheless, snakey boy. Yeah. But, but, but like, okay, so the fight scene was great. Uh, I was watching the inside the episode. So, okay, before I get to that, my biggest kind of question and just like, ugh, what is that the crab feeder has been something that's been mentioned, I think all three episodes, at least the last episode and like heavily just like with like a lot of like drama and darkness around him, he's been accentuated as a character himself. And I'm like, why would you do that for him to just die in episode three? You know, I'm like, is there something, you know, but then I thought like, maybe this is the first season and they're going to show just like, you know how like kids series are where it's like you fight different monsters until you like build up the series. And then there's like one monster that like you become like arch enemy nemesis with. Yeah. Type of deal. So I was like, okay, maybe this is like building up damon's battle valor like maybe he's gonna defeat i don't fucking know so like that was my initial thought but i had the same thing i was like wait a minute like if this is the antagonist then who's who's the next antagonist gonna be yeah i know and i'm like what's going on yeah and is it gonna be like comic book style where it's like there's a new person every other episode that's gonna be weird and scary you know and Mm -hmm. it just it kind of felt like it, it just felt very comic style. Like mm-hmm. that was quick, you know, whereas like Game of Thrones, it's like we had pretty much the same, like three major antagonists with some smaller antagonists within the entire series. And that was what was so great about it. You know, so I'm like, you know, with that George R. R. Martin, like his writing, I'm assuming it didn't change when he did like Dances with Dragons, the books that this is based on. So I'm like, what is actually how, like, what, like, you know, it's just, it's just a big question mark for me. I don't even know the right question to ask. I'm just like, Hmm. Okay. Weird. Unless this is going to pivot into something bigger, but it just felt like they really like played this guy up to be creepy as fuck. And like the ultimate antagonist villain of the realm, they spent two years trying to kill him. Right. And, you know, in one very small like war scene you know they he conquered and he killed him and like cool for damon but like it's just we never get things that easily in thrones that's why i'm like um right i don't know uh so yeah it's questionable and then in the inside the episode after they did say that this was one of the biggest 
um, like war scenes in the series. And I, the first time that I watched it, I was like, I wrote my notes, like, really? Like that's pitiful. But then the second time I watched it, I'm like, okay, I see how much it went that went into this. Like I, you know, was a little more like, I actually can believe it because I remember in like the first episode, I was complaining about the dark scenes and not being able to see the action happening. And I felt like I saw fucking everything in this. Which takes a lot of filming and yeah. like 10,000 times more editing to get that. And like the lighting was fucking on point. I felt extremely satisfied by the whole detail, even the amount of like people showing up on the battlefields. Like it felt, um, it felt sublime. It felt heavy. It felt significant. Yeah. So the second like, oh, time. Cool. Yeah, the second time I watched it, I wrote down um, the battle at Hardhome, which is the battle where John is with some of the um, some of the Night's Watch dudes, and they're in, you know, up trying to basically save the um, the wildlings from the Night King. And it's where all the like zombies are attacking that one base and all of them have to either try to fight their way out of it or, or swim to the boats that are going to Castle Black. And it was one of the most compelling like action war fighting scenes that I've ever seen in my life. I remember I was fucking riveted after I watched that. And that's kind of like it felt like they took notes from that. And I'm pretty sure Miguel Sapochnik, who is the director of this season, was the director of the Battle at Heart Home in yeah. Game of Thrones. So it felt like that where it was just the crab feeder dudes just felt like a mindless zombie army just running in. And then uh, Lenor on the dragon Smoke yeah. is the dragon's name who is fucking badass. She is, uh, she, he is gorgeous. Yeah. Came through, thank God. And like my other biggest question, I guess, about that was just like, where the fuck is Seraxis? Like he was just riding it. Is he resting? Like, like, you know, it's like he, like, aren't, isn't a dragon like with Daenerys and her dragons? Like every time she felt panic, the dragon showed up because they were connected to her emotionally. So I'm like, but the one dragon flew off for a hot minute. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, they clearly they can fuck off like that. But, like, you know, it's still, like, more so, like, Damon has day-to-day, like, everyday, you know, experience with the dragon. That's He's bonded with it. He rides it all the time. He was just mm-hmm. right. He literally rode it to the their council rock chamber where he read the note from Viserys. Like, Mm-hmm. hours earlier so I'm like okay you know that's my kind of my big question too is like where is where is Seraxes like what are you yeah. doing I also wrote it by notes oh Lenor grew up oh my god I know he is he's a little cutie now like I was like <laughs> oh no why the fuck they do this um but yeah no that was really cool I wanted to say the dragon was fucking beautiful it was awesome like I really like that it was like that lighter whitish blue color yeah it's and I know that like we had previously discussed that um the director said like we should be paying attention to the dragons their colors uh like their personalities and it's just nice like we this is what we want we've really wanted to see the dragons and it's nice that we're getting like different ones in each episode We've got three for three episodes, you know? 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so, so I think the total number of dragons that we're going to see this season are nine. Um, we've already seen uh, Rhaenyra's and now Lanor's and Damon's. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know Rhaenys, dry, like she's a dragon rider. Um, the daughter is also a dragon rider. So there's like some other characters that I don't know if they'll be introduced this season, but will definitely be introduced later on. And then I know that there's like a, a dragon on the loose kind mm-hmm. of like the one that has never bonded with any anybody. Um, yeah. That's kind of like a wild, wild card. So yeah, so it's going to be exciting. The fucking sea storm in that episode was, I mean, gorgeous, absolutely beautiful. So we've never seen a dragon that color. So I was really excited. And I'm like, of course, he is like white of hair, right? Oh, yeah. I was like, you came in as like, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think that Lenore is going to be a really, really great character. Um, and I think that him and Damon are going to be close, hopefully. I agree. You know, so I'm fucking excited. This showed me like more of what Game of Thrones was about. I'm like, yes, please bring some, you know, just intelligence to it, some complexity and some fucking warness. Like I want to yeah. see action, but I also want to use my brain. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just getting towards the end of the episode here yeah um i don't know i definitely think that like just just a quick theory uh you know who is it they had mentioned um rhaenyra probably wedding lanor and honestly like I don't want the incest to happen, but I'm like, oh, it makes a little more sense now because he's older, like they're closer in age. And like, she's not going to want to be with someone who isn't like experienced. Like, I don't know. I feel like experience in battle like that is good for, especially if they're, if he's does end up being close with Damon. Yeah. Well, that's like a good look for her. Yeah. And he's also a dragon rider, which is a big thing. So it's, it's like, okay, this is somebody that can keep up with me on that level. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, um, that's kind of all I have on theories. I don't want to guess too much. Again, this is a prequel. We do understand what happens like eventually. Mm -hmm. So, Um, yeah, I think that, I mean, if I'm being honest, incest aside I really would love Rhaenyra and Damon I think that their compatibility was like off the charts in episode one and she really admires him and he really cares for her if anything like so I I'm just like my votes for Damon or Chris and Cole but she would have to like unelect him from the King's Guard at that point mm-hmm so I don't know. I mean, the decision's really hers. We don't really, I mean, we can look up what's going to happen, but for you fucks that don't ruin it for us, we're trying so hard not to like to avoid the spoilers. We want it to not be spoiled because I can easily look up like the family chart and see what happens, but I don't want to do that. So I'm going to wishful think that it's either going to be Damon or Kristen for her. Um, I would not mind Lenor at all, yeah. but I think that if it was for love and for comfortability, it would be either of the two. So 
Yeah, I don't know. Theories aside, no clue. I think Viserys is going to get fucked in the ass with saying that he swears on his mom, on her mom, that she, you know, Renero would be, is not going to be supplanted. So I think that that's inevitably going to happen. Um, and I think that that's going to cause probably the most strife and everything. That's my theory. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. Um, I'm so sorry, podcasters. If you've been hearing my cat mew and make noise, he's just vocal. He's just saying hi. He just wants to be a part of the conversation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, they heard my cat's auto feeders and it's only right that they hear your cats. Absolutely. Very full circle. Yeah. Um, but what if you have anything else? I think we covered all no, the I think we covered all of it. I'm surprised we did it within this amount of time. I thought that it was gonna go way over, but I have said everything that has needed to be said. So yeah, yeah. The, I don't think uh we were as silly as we usually are, but you'll get it next to, time. There's a lot to talk about, guys. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And we're so glad that you've spent this time with us. You know, we just love Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon and HBO and the work that they're doing to put this stuff together for us as viewers. It's a ton of fun. You know, we all love um, a fantastical world and we really appreciate you guys kind of like hanging out with us. It's we're friends and we feel like you know, we just want to include some more people in our friend conversation and maybe yeah. friends. Hell yeah. 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 So I love you guys. You can find us at, um, on Twitter at HB underscore hose on Instagram at HB dot hose or email us at hose at HB hose.com. We're yeah. always here. We love it. Feel free. Please subscribe, yeah. like, comment, listen. And also make sure to listen to our other series. We are going to be talking about Lord of the Rings, uh, Rings of Power. Again, that's by Prime, but we're for the streets. We're a hose. We ain't loyal. We're talking about it. If you want to check that out, join us. Hit us up. All right. Bye, guys. Later.